When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark and Michael this afternoon, we're uh, short-staffed today, but we have a ton of uh, content we can hammer out today. How are you doing, Michael? Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Mark? Good. We were just discussing how Canada and the United States differentiate and how quickly we burn through holidays as... I was grocery shopping today on my normal food shopping day. And I know all of you at home are very excited to hear these things and the weather report. So we'll hammer it out. But uh, yeah, Christmas trees, wreaths already out. American Thanksgiving isn't until Thursday. Um, I saw Christmas trees out last week at places for sale, people decorating their homes. Uh, In America, we just like to take a holiday and flush it down the toilet before it even gets here because we just burn through them because I guess that's what we do as Americans. But anyway, so that was what we were talking about. On to bigger and better things. The Calgary Flames, seven-game road trip, uh, 10 or 11 days it took, uh, four, one, and two. Uh, not a bad trip, Michael, eh? A very good trip, especially because I know we talked about at the start that it wasn't looking good. They lost that game. They frankly should have won in Montreal, and it kind of felt like, okay, is this where the season goes off the rails? Like They had a, those couple early overtime losses, but I think the last time we podcasted was before the buffalo game and i think we were all kind of like yeah if they can get three points out of these next six like we'll be pretty happy and then what do you know they get six to six and everything's just all sunshine and good times right now yeah and you look at some of these games too like they had the ot lost to philly then they go to buffalo they beat them five nothing what we thought was going to be a tough game in new york with the islanders opening up the arena turned out to be a joke like the flames just ran rough shot over them and then coming into boston last night you probably could have thought you know what calgary can just cruise through this one if they get a point out of it great if it's a loss it's not the end of the world because it's a back-to-back sunday end of a long grueling road trip i think they looked fresher last night against the bruins than they did against say buffalo and some of these teams when they've had days off they looked amazing last night i thought they played really solid hockey even it was only one nothing and two nothing uh, they were playing solid defense i mean taylor hall had a couple easy whiffs in front of the net that could have probably maybe changed the momentum of that game a little bit. But I thought Calgary really played probably their best game of the season. Definitely the best game of the road trip last night. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would say so because like you said, like the games where they won in like Ottawa and Buffalo, like they were good. They didn't have to be great to win those games. Um, Yeah. The Islanders game, I thought they played well. I didn't think they played as well as they could have given the Islanders are missing a bunch of guys, but yeah, no yesterday, same thing I kind of said before the game, like it, it felt like one of those scheduled losses, like maybe you get a point, but they took it to Boston, who's been, I, albeit they're not as good as they once were, they're starting to lose some guys, they're starting to go on the other side of that kind of, they're on the other side of the hill that you kind of crest to become a good team in the NHL, I would say, but they still um, are a very good team, and the Flames just, all night long, they took it to Vladar once again, we keep talking about him, he was amazing in net, and this team just looks like they're really everything's like firing on all, all cylinders right now. 
Yeah, and I normally always have, maybe it's just from having been there at the games, I always, Boston to me is always like, oh my God, this is going to be brutal. They're either going to get slaughtered or the Bruins are going to beat them like two to one and the Flames are going to play ugly and it's just going to be a very heavy game. Um, a minute 30 into that game last night, Johnny Gaudreau collects a rebound, fires the puck home, and it felt completely like I didn't have that pit in my stomach. I'm like, the Flames have a lead. It's over. Um, that's the They actually lead the NHL. That's the 15th game they've scored first with the opening salvo, and that leads the league. And they've just watching them play like that. I mean, Gaudreau had that one off the crossbar that could have put a 2 nothing. like he was hopping last night. Um, they all look good. They played that Bergeron. Marshan line so well last night. Those guys were almost ineffective. Like you didn't hear much about them at all. Um, I just like the way the Flames played defense last night. Yeah, they just seem to be really clogging up everything kind of in the middle of the ice. And if something's gotten through, they're getting excellent, excellent goaltending too. Just like on the off chance that the teams do get chances. Like there's they're still giving up an odd goal here or there, but man, like yesterday, like we said, I think it was their best game of the road trip on that front, especially like Boston's not an easy team to beat at all right now. They'd come in, I think winning three in a row, all their previous wins have been like five, two, they've been playing good hockey. And for the flames to just, like you said, get the early goal and then just full stop, like shut things down. Like Boston still had chances, but it wasn't anything. There wasn't really a point, even one, nothing, even two, nothing. I really felt like the flames were going to let that slip away yesterday. They were just, so calm and so in control that it was really impressive to watch. Can we term a new thing? Can we have a call it a Johnny Gaudreau hat trick? Uh, Gaudreau had a goal, a really big hit, and he took a penalty last night. That's two games in a row he's taken a penalty. <laughs> like, what's up with Johnny? Is jo Johnny's like watching him throw that hit the other night. Then the guy gave up, kind of face washed him. Gaudreau gave it to him back. And then, you know, he's chirping uh, the other night after he scores the empty net goal. Like, what's going on with Johnny? Like, Johnny's got some chutzpah. Johnny Gaudreau and uh, Daryl Sutter are becoming best buds, I guess. Right. And somebody's called them Johnny Truculence the other night. I was like, I like it. I like it. That <laughs> like works. It, yeah. Speaking of Gaudreau, uh, NHL's first star of the week, uh, 23 shots on net, four goals, three assists, helps the Flames on their road trip. Um, he's something else. Like his game, I know contract year and all, but if this is Johnny Gaudreau every game, every year, how do you not just like walk up to him with a checkbook and a contract and be like, you write how long you want to be here and you write how much you want to make? Yeah, at this point, that's pretty much what they're going to have to do. He's just so good. And as much as we're all kind of dreading what all these guys are going to have to sign for in the offseason, I think, like, I'm at least of the opinion that we just got to sit back and enjoy this because we spent all these years complaining that the team on the ice couldn't do anything. But right now, everything's going so well that I'm trying to just kind of block out at this point the contract talk because yeah. we we kind of deserve a season where we just enjoy and don't, like, let these rain clouds kind of keep us down. and. You're gonna pay whatever he's worth in the summer, and he's gonna get a lot of money. But right now, like, that's my advice to everyone: is just like let the contract stuff go for a couple of months. Like, just enjoy that they're playing really solid hockey, and like, we've kind of earned this because it's not been a fun, what, like, thirty years, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you mentioned fun. Like, I I was trying to remember when I started writing here at this website. I think it was five or six years ago, and. This is definitely outside of, and I don't think I was even writing the for the year the Findaway Flames were there. So I think I came might have come in the year after that. But to me, it's like this is the most fun I've ever had talking about this team or writing about this team or watching or covering this team because every night they just go out and do something where you're like, "Good lord!" I mean, we could, we could switch topics now and go to goaltending. Um, the Flames have seven shutouts on the season. They have seven shutouts in 19 games. That they are the first team to do that in the modern era of hockey. The Calgary Flames, who 
realistically in the history of the franchise have had two goaltenders in Mike Vernon and Mika Kiprasov, and then a bunch of spare parts sprinkled in here and there to try to, to pick up where those guys left off. They're doing this with Jacob Markstrom, who's been fantastic, and a cast-off backup from Boston that um, Singlet knew he wanted in Calgary in Dan Vladar. Um, Vladar's now got two shutouts on the seasons, and six of the Flames' last seven victories have come by way of the goose egg. What planet are we on, Michael? I, I don't know. It doesn't feel real to me. I, it was funny when they were talking about that. Um, like the most shutouts in the first 19 games since 1929, which is like before they allowed you to pass forward in hockey, which like I was seeing on Twitter or something like, can you imagine what Daryl Sutter would do if like you couldn't pass forward in hockey? Like you'd have 18 shutouts in 19 games or something. <laughs> That'd be his dream. Just stack them, just stack the midline. Nobody can get over. Um, it's just hilarious. Like it's, it's one of those things that we're going to look back on in like five, 10 years and just be like, can you remember that start to the season when they had seven shutouts in 20 games and like everything? It's just one of those things that like, you don't know even why it's happening. Like statistically, like, you should be letting in like a couple of weak goals every now and then, like something weird. It, I think it makes up for like a couple of years ago when they were in just such a string of bad. Like I remember those, there was those games where it would go like, I specifically remember, I think it was against like the Leafs like two years ago. There was like a play where a, a Leafs D-man shot it. It hit like a flame shin pad, went through like the hole in Giordano's skate and into the net or something yeah. like yeah. I, I, it really feels like we earned it back then for, and we're finally getting some like positive, sides of that now but like it, it's just ridiculous yeah it's like just thinking about it like we're gonna like like eventually people will talk about this season and how the start and people are gonna be like that never happened in calgary no it didn't i mean when you look at goaltending right now um the top three goaltenders in the league have only played in two or three games a piece um if you want to go by like the stat of like you know five games in that's like you know a good sample size uh dan vladar leads the nhl in save percentage at 946 uh, Jack Campbell's right behind him at 944. And then there's Jacob Markstrom at 942. Um, I'm going to click on goals against here and try to set this up. I mean, Vladar again, 143, Markstrom 171. They're both in the top five. I I, I mean, look, I like what we saw out of Markstrom last year. Um, but I, I know we love to fall in love with backup goalies in Calgary because they, they come in. But this feels just different with these two guys between the pipes. Well, yeah, Markstrom, like we're finally getting that vancouver level of excellence we got which is great because it's behind a team that's been very defensively strong which i think is what we were all hoping for when he signed unfortunately like the jeff ward year kind of threw that off the rails but like this is what we expected was a, a superstar goalie behind a very strong defensive team and then vladar i think he was an unknown but man he's just been so good and i'm kind of glad they went that route with a somewhat unknown backup because mm -hmm. At worst case, like you were going to still have Markstrom play in the majority of games, but like I was looking around, like other goalies making he's making league minimum too. Like that's the thing for this year and next. Like to have that kind of cap savings too. Like there's a lot of other goalies, even if you get like 1.5, that's still like a depth player you're kind of losing by having a backup goalie at that price. So to see him out there just excelling and really growing into and settling into the NHL, like well, I think he's 10 games into his career now and he's shutting teams out and that game against the Leafs, I would say, was almost even more impressive than the other ones. Like, it just really makes you feel like where where does his ceiling end up when you also consider there's Dustin Wolf down in Stockton who's just killing it down there too. He's I think six and one two now. He's only allowed more than two goals once in those eight games. Like he's just it's just the Flames have good goaltending like through and through. They have some other prospects that are killing it, and it's such a weird 
vibe because all we wanted for all these years was like one goalie we can hope for and now there's like three or four really good goalies in the organization yeah i mean you run down the list of guys that have been here and been backup goalies or you know rick tapparici trevor kidd when he was moved in uh well, I mean, you know, the, the list Everybody. goes on and on and on. I mean, and it's been painful, like the Jonas Hiller years, like, you know, Brian Elliott. Like, remember, we all thought the goaltending problem was solved when Brian Elliott came. Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott was not amazing. He was terrible. He was terrible with the Flyers. Like, just finally, Calgary has goaltending. They've got the offense. And speaking of offense, I know we like to gush about him every time we're on here. But Andrew Mangiapane, I mean, just I, 15 goals, two assists. He's got 15 goals in 19 games. I think 14 of his 15 are on the road. Um, he's taken almost over that Matthew Kachuk spot of standing out front and tipping shots in, but he can also score on the breakaway. I mean, th- how much more can you say about this guy? I mean, nothing really. At this point, it's just everything he's doing is so good right now. Like he he's killing it on the penalty kill. Like, at this point, I don't know how the only thing I don't know is how they're keeping him off the top power play unit. Maybe that's just because they have to shoehorn Sean Monahan in somewhere. But like mm-hmm. Matt Manchapani, like we we kind of saw it coming with how he did at the World Championships and how he kind of finished the year last year. But I don't think anybody even I don't even think his parents saw him being the second best <laughs> goal scorer in the NHL. <laughs> like like you go out there, sweetie, and you do your best. But like I'm sure even they're shocked right now. And like th- this is amazing for him and i'm so happy to see him doing this finally because we kind of saw the flashes of it and he only had 18 goals in 56 games last year now he's at 15 and 19 like it's just stupid almost yeah and it's funny you think about like we all see the progression it was like i was one of those people like oh if he scored like 22 goals 23 goals that's great that's a you know pile on some assists like he's going to obliterate that total by mid-december like if he keeps playing the way he's playing and, and you look at the the names that he's next to. And I mean, his, like you mentioned his parents, like his parents must look at this and be like, oh, look, there's that boy tied with Alex Ovechkin and three goals behind Dreisaitl. And he's got more goals than Connor McDavid, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Jordan Eberle, Steven Stamkos. Like, I, it's just, again, this is one of those seasons. That it's probably the, the, the cynic in me just because, you know, we've all seen it enough. Like, I'm waiting for that other big shoe to fall out of the sky but I don't want it to. I'm holding off. I'm not looking up at the sky. I'm enjoying everything I'm seeing on the ice right now. Yeah, me too. It's, um, I, I think you wouldn't be a real Flames fan if you weren't waiting for the, all right, where's the thing? Where's it going to go off the rails thing? But like, we're pushing 20 games or a quarter of the way into the season already. And so far it's still all good. So like, hopefully they've built up enough runway now that even if they like end up kind of going meh the rest of the way that they can still make the playoffs and then we'll see from there. But it's it's just ridiculous right now. Manchapani especially. It's just everything he does is it seems like the right play right now. And I think we were talking about it the other last week, but like all of his goals are because he's going to like the the areas in front of the net or making tips. Like he's yeah, he's not gonna destroy you with like a perfect wrist shot or like a one time or anything, but man, he goes to those greasy areas that the flames always haven't in the past. Yeah, And he buries them, and that's like desperately, I think, what this team has needed more than anything was that guy who can just go find the puck in front and chip it in kind of thing. Well, there was a great photo the other night on Twitter, and I don't know, I don't think it was from the Flames. It was Gaudreau and Mangiapane celebrating something on the ice, and they're like the exact same size, the exact <laughs> same body, but their games are so different. Like, and they're both incredibly effective and both so productive. One, just with the slick stick skills and the skating and the great wrist shot, who can left shot from the left side can pick that 
blocker side corner, which you shouldn't be able to pick, you know? And then you got Manjapani who's out in front where Kachuk should be, where the big guys usually sit tipping shots, you know, and he's in the corner and he's, he's taking the hits, he's getting run over and they're both just so damn effective. It's like, I hate that I'm this excited. <laughs> it just drives me insane because it's so much fun to watch. And even like the whole Sutter hockey thing, right? We were told Sutter hockey was going to be boring. Sutter hockey was going to be this. The Flames have scored nine goals, uh, sorry, 14 goals in their last three games and given up two. I don't find Sutter hockey boring at all. And even when it was one nothing and 2 nothing last night, I loved watching the Flames bear down and play physical. Yeah, it's it's not quite the late Sutters of like the 2010s where it was a bunch of old guys past their prime just trying to grit out 2-1 wins like I I don't know if this is because of the what they've built on this team but they have so much skill that like the skill plus Sutter hockey is just turned into this magnificent display of hockey all across the board that we are so privileged to watch and yeah I'm like you I'm very much like I almost feel guilty being this excited about the team because it's almost it's easier for us almost when the flames aren't doing well because we have more things to write about and talk about. But right now it's just like it kind of sounds like we're almost repeating ourselves because we're like almost giddy about how good they're playing and how how little we have to complain about. So it's it's just fun right now. And Sutter's killing it. I think um he seems to be doing the making the right decisions. I, I like how he's kind of moving the lines around quite a bit. He's making guys earn their play time and uh hopefully they can keep it up here. They got a few games at home to really get things going there and we'll see. Yeah, and you look at, I mean, last night too, um, and it just it keeps coming back to me because of things they did yesterday, but the Flames played solid defensively, and they mixed their their pairings up on defense last night. Uh, Uso Valamaki got back in the lineup for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, Nikita Zadorov got a night off. Um, I don't think Zadorov's night off was due to anything in his play. I think it was just time to, you know, give the big guy a break and let, you know, Valamaki get in. I thought he looked rough early. I thought he looked a little better towards the end. I mean, that could just be rust, but he's in Sutter's doghouse, apparently. I mean, how much leeway do you think Valamaki is going to get getting back in? And for the record, still played pretty decently last night in the Flames defense, even though things were moved around and switched around, still had a good game. Yeah, I thought he was okay. He had that early assist, which must have been nice for his confidence, but... um there's still a couple plays I didn't love. Like there was a couple, like he kind of mishandled it and led to good chances the other way or um, just missed a couple checks here and there. But that, that also happens when you haven't played in nearly a month. So like it's one of those things where it's like you kind of want him to make these plays a bit better and be a bit more crisp out there. But it's not easy for the, especially a young guy like him coming off the bench after missing 10 games to suddenly just jump in and be perfect again. And I, I'm kind of with you on it is that, I think Sutter is kind of going to just play these guys off and on a bit. Like Zadorov, I think has been fine. There's still mistakes you'd like to see him avoid, but mm-hmm. I don't think either of them has outright like fully earned a lineup spot, but I don't think either of them has outright done anything to lose it either. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see them balance back and forth a little bit as the season goes on. That makes perfect sense. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if you saw um, Zadorov back in the lineup, um, in the flames, their next stop, their first game at home against uh, Chicago. Um, other other takeaways from uh, you know what we've been seeing, what's going on. Uh, Noah Hannafin um, had himself a game last night. That set play off the faceoff was gorgeous. Anderson to Kachuk, the bank pass right off the boards, right on the Hannafin stick, back of the net. That's now eleven points in fourteen games for Noah Hannafin against the Bruins, playing at home in his hometown against the team. He probably grew up watching and idolizing playing that one year at BC. Um, Noah Hannafin, not always the offensive force, but 
it's a lot of times you just don't mention his name because he's just playing so well he's not doing anything wrong yeah i would agree on that he's um i would say he hasn't quite been at the same level we saw last year yet like last year he was a really like a huge revelation but also at the same time he hasn't had to be like this superstar like he was last year because i think we've seen other guys like rasmus anderson step up obviously oliver shillington and chris tan have been amazing too but I've been very impressed with Hannafin just from the fact that he's been so solid. That was something we hadn't really seen in his first couple of years. Like he, he, I just like how he's cut out a lot of the mistakes, like especially defensively. Like he just seems solid back there, which yeah. is something going forward that I don't know if we're going to necessarily expect all the time. But like right now, he's just so good in um, both ends of the ice. Like he's probably never going to hit that, like those crazy high point totals that they thought he might out of college. But if he can be your like a top four steady defenseman with the guys they already have, like we have no complaints. I know he had, I think three assists in the Islanders game too. Like he's the points will come for him, but to see him kind of just playing well at both ends of the ice is, is so refreshing with this team that for a few years, it was kind of like, okay, we traded for him, but he wasn't really doing a ton. He wasn't taking that step, but with last year and this year, it's just been step after step pretty much. Yeah, I look at defensemen in hockey a lot like officials in all sports. If you're not calling their name and you're not noticing what they're doing, then they're doing their job. Um, and Hannafin with the three assists against the Islanders and his goal last night, that's four of his seven points in the last two games. So maybe he's starting to heat up. And it's crazy to think that the Flames are getting hotter at the end of a long road trip. It's like they were a better team the more games they played, the more travel they had. So that's always Always nice to see. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we'll look at what the Flames have upcoming, and we'll look down the roster at some of the guys that we should probably maybe be getting a little bit more of. Because, um, you know, we got to have the guys be a little something that can't be all positive all the time, right? So we'll discuss that stuff when we come back on the Tinderbox. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation and Mark and Michael today. And we just finished... Absolutely gushing over this, Michael. We've been doing like being able to like, you know, do video podcasts or, you know, at least have like the Zoom type thing. I don't think I've ever seen you smile this much at any <laughs> point during the season, flame season. So this was good. This was very good. Uh, first half. Um, second half coming back. We're going to look at what the Flames have coming up. They just finished a seven game road trip. Now they got three at home. They got the Blackhawks, the Jets and the Penguins. Um, we all know the Blackhawks are just an absolute dumpster fire this season on a million different levels. Um, Jets always play the Flames tough. Um, you know, they're playing pretty well this season. And uh, who else did I say? Jets and the Penguins. And, you know, the Penguins have got Crosby back. So, you know, maybe they can make some moves. But um, Flames have not played well at home. Um, I think all of their 11 wins have come on the road, if I, I remember correctly. Uh, do they have a home win? I think they have a couple home wins. They have a couple. Like, it's just everything. It, it's not been great, that, though. Yeah, it's... it seems better on there. Actually, I can look that up and tell you where it is. Uh, oh, I know yeah, they're 2-1 two, two, and 3 at home. Yeah, yeah the two, Fox one, and three game, at home. can't forget that. Yes, correct. The Fox game where Lucic beat him up twice on one play, which was awesome, and sent him into the boards. But 9-2-2 two, two at home, 2-1-3 and three, it's on the road, 2-1-3 and three at home. Um, that's So that's what, that's four, that's seven points at home. They need to be better at home, though, right? Yeah, and I think they will be. I think um, home's kind of just been this, uh, it's kind of been a weird mix. Like those overtime games, like you could honestly make cases that all three of their overtime losses, they probably played well enough to win. And then I was looking back at the Sharks game the other day, just because I was, I don't know, sometimes I get bored and I want to look back at things. And 
I would honestly say they played well enough to win that game too. Like they had most of the chance. The Sharks just kind of got that one like weird bounce goal in the third and then got two empty netters. Like I'm not super concerned about their home ice. I'm more like one thing they definitely need to do is beat a Western conference team. I think they're Oh, two and three against the West now, which is, it's just a silly stat, but at the same time, the season's full of silly stats. So like we probably should pay attention to it. Um, I mean, what better chance than like to get one than against Chicago, who, like we said, they've been playing a bit better lately, but they're not a good team right now. And if they can get two or three on this homestand and like kind of keep rolling, I think uh, they'll still be in a very good spot. Yeah. And it, my, my stat was um, it wasn't the 11 wins on the road. All 11 wins have come against the Eastern Conference. That's yeah. what it is. So, which is something that in the past has not been um, an easy place for the Flames to win either. So, to roll through the East is nice. And you can say, you could say, oh, Eastern Conference teams, you know, this team doesn't have a good record. The East is such a tough conference to be in. I mean, the Atlantic's good, the Metropolitan's stacked. Like, those are winning in the East against a team that's, say, eight, five, and two is still a good team to beat. That's a very good team. So I'm okay with that, but I'm with you. They need to start winning in the West. Um, so the Oilers fans will stop crying that the flames have the best record points percentage wise, because they have the loser points where Edmonton doesn't have any loser points. So it's funny to watch them kind of complain that the flames are only good because they've lost in overtime. So I mean, whatever you want to make of that, you make of that. Uh, Dylan Dubé. Um, what's the deal with Dubé? I mean, he had an assist last night. Um, he had the assist on Manjapani's goal, which they took They took an assist away from uh, Oliver Shillington on that one, which I think is a shame. I think that's just the league, just Shillington's too hot, so they had to take a point off because he's been playing so well. But um, Dylan Dubé, uh, one assist, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's his first point in eight games. Um, he's got one goal, uh, seven assists, but it's kind of been very sporadic for him. Um, is it who he's playing with, or is did we maybe overvalue Dylan Dubé? Has he kind of reached his peak? Well, the first thing I want to say about him is that I liked him a lot more at center than I did at wing. I thought that mm -hmm. was a good experiment. And I don't remember exactly what game it was, but it feels like roughly seven, eight games ago, they switched him back to playing wing. And I don't think it's shocking that we've seen his points fall off. Although obviously playing with Sean Monaghan and Tyler Pitlick at even strength isn't like a huge recipe for success. And he's also a player that's been in the Sutter doghouse a lot of last year and probably I'm guessing that carried over a bit to this year too. So I still think the potential's there, but like I don't really see him taking that step as much as we wanted him to. And and Sutter is very adamant on if you're not playing well, you're not playing, period. And I I don't have any issues with it, but I would like to see him kind of do a bit more out there. Um it, it's too bad, really, because like I said, I think he is better as a centerman, at least from what we saw at the start of this season. So I would like to see him get back in there. And when you look at somebody like Monaghan, who's just really doing nothing out there pretty much ever anymore. Like I, I would rather see Monaghan back on the wing, get Dubé at least another shot at center before we get too much further into the season. Cause you really don't want to like crush somebody like Dubé's confidence out there because if he is clicking, like we saw in that bubble playoffs, like he can be a really good hockey player if things are rolling for him. So I would like to see him get moved back to the middle to try and get things going again. Yeah. Dubé can be dangerous. He's got good speed. He's got good shot. He's got grit. He's another one. He's like a, We'll call him like Manjapani light. Um, he's got that similar style game where he's not afraid to be physical, get in the corners, but he can shoot and he can move. Um, so you brought up Monaghan. Um, I, think I tweeted the other night. I'm like, I'm done. Like fire Monaghan into the sun. I just like watching him play. And I know he's got the hip injury. Maybe it's confidence, whatever. But someone said, God, Manjip I mean, Monaghan may never score 20 goals again for the Flames. I'm like, I'm like Monaghan may never score a goal 
again for the Flames. I mean, you watch him with the puck on his stick, like his passes, they're just nowhere. There's nothing on him. He's just firing him out in the middle of nowhere. He's in the slot getting passes, and he's not getting shots off, or he's hesitating. I can't count the amount of times in the last probably four or five games where I've screamed at the television where he's had the puck on his stick, and if he just shot it right away, he's got a good look. Instead, he holds, he holds, he holds, he shoots, and then it gets blocked. Uh, are, are we just get now? Are we kind of at that point where, like, I remember writing a Sam Bennett article a couple of years ago, be like, look, he is what he is. He's on the team. This is what you're getting. Stop complaining. Are we kind of at that point with Monaghan? Yeah, I think so. And it is kind of unfortunate because I think it has to be the injuries that have done this, like just compared to what he used to be. Like, it, it's such a shame because he was having such a promising career up until these injuries really threw him off. But I don't know if his wrists are flaring up again because he's had those injured multiple times the last few years. Like, it just seems like he doesn't have that quick shot anymore, like you were saying. Like, that was kind of his bread and butter before get to the front, get a puck on a stick, quick shot, and he'd get it up and it'd be in the corner and it would be, it'd be, the recipe for at least 20, 25 goals a year. And he, if he doesn't have that, we've said it before, but there's not much else to his game. And no. I, I really just hope he's not trying to play through something again. Like it seems like every year they come out after the season, like, Oh yeah, he's been playing through this since game 10 or something. It's like, yeah. if there is something wrong, this team isn't a good enough spot right now that they can't afford to let him rest up a bit. And if that turns out to be the case, and I'll be really disappointed in the management team, especially there's a couple of guys in Stockton, like Jacob Helchier, Adam Rizicka, guys who could do well if they got a shot up here. Like, if, if there's any injuries to him right now, you should be letting him rest up and, like, get back to health because this is – it's not helping his confidence, not really helping the team if he's playing hurt at all. But if he's not playing hurt, then we have bigger issues than that. Yeah, no, I agree. And if it is an injury type thing, you can sit him because it's not like he's doing his main thing that I see right now that he's doing well is he's pretty well on. He does pretty well on the face off dot with that uh, top power play line. But that's pretty much where the, the line gets drawn. Um, he's not effective assist wise or goal wise on the power play and same with that bottom line. And if he is hurt, you can sit him and slot another kid into that lineup. You could move um, Mangiapane up to the first power play line. And put a kid in there. A kid's not a kid from Stockton's not going to do any worse than Monahan's doing right now, I guess. So you know you can look at it that way, I suppose, right? And did you ever think that the, the days when you'd be like, you know, Monahan, Gaudreau, Hoodler, Monahan, um, you know, all these guys feeding Monahan, Monahan scoring, and now you're listening to the, the call, and it's like, all right, Monahan starts the break with Pitlick and Lucic or Brad Richardson and somebody. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're like, oh my god, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, and. It, it could be very possible that it could just be times kind of run out here. Maybe he'll go somewhere else after this year and bounce back a bit. I certainly hope he does for his sake. But yeah. at this point, I just think there's so many other pieces that I would put ahead of him when listing the Flames core that yeah. it might just be time for a change, whether they wait to do it until after the season or if they even they try and do something now. Like, I, I just think it's time, unfortunately, which is too bad because I've always been a big Monaghan fan. But it just yeah, it, it something needs to change with that. and it doesn't seem like that change is really going to happen with the roster staying the way it is. So switching now back to looking at the schedule, the flames have those three, then they hit the road again for four Kings and ducks and Knights. That'll be a good test for them. A uh, good three game run. But uh, when it comes down to like, you know, in the division in the big guns, they don't get the Oilers until December 27th. It seemed, maybe it just seems so spaced out because last year they had the Oilers 10 times. Um, and you know, the year before that, like the Oilers games get piled on right away. Calgary sees them opening night and then they don't see them till almost the new year. Um, 
I think that's going to be the Flames' big test so far to see how they're how they're doing and comparing in the division. And that game comes at home, so that's a that could be a you know an added bonus for them. Um, not that you want to look through the rest of the games between you know now, so it's a month away, but still, that's one of the big games I see on the calendar. Yeah, me too. I, I'm excited to see how they do against the Oilers. I think both teams are just absolutely like, are running over opponents this year. Like the Oilers are getting ridiculous contributions from their big guys, but also like the rest of the team looks pretty solid. And then, yeah, I think battle of Alberta is going to be the hot ticket this year. It always is. But I think like this year, both, if both teams are still like one, two in the West by then, like it'll probably be the biggest game in two or three decades in the battle of Alberta for sure. Yeah. The, the battle of Alberta is a big game, as we said all the time, but this season, especially it carries a little more gravitas. I mean, the Oilers are second in the league with 66 goals for flames, the fourth, uh, with 63. Um, Edmonton's given up 50 goals. That's the difference. The Flames' goal differential this season is plus 27. Uh, they've given up Bonkers. 60. They've scored 63 and given up 36. Uh, I guess it shows the difference between Koskinen and Mike Smith versus uh, Markstrom and Vladar. <laughs> if you look yeah, at it between and those two. I think they make similar money too. So I'm... Yeah. I think Koskinen's like four and a half and Mike Smith is something like around two where it's like Markstrom and Vladar are 6.75 altogether. So, like, yeah, yeah, I think with, we'll take it. Yeah, with Markstrom being six of that, I think we're saying like Vladar makes like $9 a year playing goalie in the NHL. Yeah. So, they've got, uh, you know, so that game, I'm interested to see how it comes up. And it, the thing I like about Sutter, too, is, you know, when they look at that calendar, it's very, very, as I mentioned last time, Belichicky, and it's, we got the Blackhawks. We don't care about, you know, the Kings and Ducks and Knights coming up. That's obviously a big stretch for the Flames in the division because um, you look at the, the conference standings right now or the uh, the pacific standings and you know anaheim's cooled off a little bit uh they're in third vegas is in fourth the kings have definitely slid down a little bit um they're in fifth place with calgary vaulting up so you know the the pacific wide open it's you know it's it's anybody's it's anybody's conference in that top five i would think with division yeah i think so too i think um I think the Kings came back to it a bit. They won seven in a row, but they've lost, I think, four in a row now. Um, the Ducks, I still don't fully trust. They're just a little bit too young, in my opinion, for me to fully get behind. But I still think they're a good team. But yeah, I think, like you said, that road trip through uh, California and Vegas in early December, I think that'll be a nice test for the team. See how they do against their division. And if they can pull out a few games out of that, three, three maybe, and then they'll they'll be really sitting well in the standings then. Yeah, because if you look at the the top five right now in their last ten, Calgary's five two and three with three wins in a row. Edmonton seven three and zero, they won two in a row. Anaheim eight one and one, they're on a one game losing streak. Vegas seven three and zero, they've won two, and the Kings six two and two with uh, their last is an overtime loss. Um, so, I mean, it's it's San Jose. You know, they made a quick run and they've fallen back down. We all know Vancouver's an absolute nightmare. Uh, I think the the Nux misconduct, our SB Nation colleague up there in Vancouver was like, just burn it all to the ground, please. Just end it now. <laughs> and the Kraken are going to struggle just because they're an expansion team. So, um, yeah, I, I want to see that run through L.A. That California trip is always, you know, California is a tough trip. And then you're going down to Vegas and then you come back to California. So you got you got three in the Golden State and then you got you got one in Vegas. So that will be an interesting run. And um, if the Flames can do they take. I don't know, they get five points out of that. That's not a bad trip. You get two wins, you get an OT loss, and you lose one. That's really not that bad, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But sure. we got bigger, but we got big, bigger fish to fry now. We got Blackhawks, Jets, and Penguins at home. Um, I think that's a two out of three at home, though. No? I think it's gotta be. I think if you're a successful team, it'll be two out of three. Um, 
would love three, but we'll see. I don't know. Every time I've kind of underestimated this team, they've surpassed my expectations. So I, I think go aim for two out of three. If you get better than that, that's great. Um, yeah, they're, they're all winnable games, I would say. Yeah, I think the Blackhawks are definitely a winnable game. Honestly, the game that I could see them losing is maybe Pittsburgh uh, with Crosby back and everything else. But the Jets, they always play the Jets tough. Um, they seem to have Connor Hellebuck's number you know, in, in the past. So we'll see how that works. But I'm with you. Two out of three, I'll take it. Three out of three. Start the parade route and let's go. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to add before we get out of here? <laughs> um, no, I think we sang our praises for the guys who wanted to. Um, Oliver Shillington, just keep killing it, man. You're the best. Yeah. Love it. And yeah, I think and that's I, about it. Yeah, and congratulations to Elias Lindholm. Got in his 600th NHL game the other night. I think he's got 255 with the Flames. So, you know, close to close to half his games with Calgary. So not bad. I'll take it. Uh, that, every day I just look at that trade and I just shake my head. I'm like, sure, Adam Fox is good for the Rangers. But man, we got Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm out of that. Not bad for a prospect, Michael Furlan and Dougie Hamilton. No, no offense, Michael Furlan. I still love you. <laughs> All right. So with that, Calgary's next game is tomorrow night versus the Chicago Blackhawks. We are going to be doing a behind enemy lines with the fine folks from second city hockey. I'm sure that's going to be incredibly uplifting when I hop on that in about an hour, that'll be a fun conversation to have with those guys and just see how they're hanging in. Forget the Blackhawks. <laughs> how are you guys doing covering that team? Um, so that's a Tuesday night. Flames are back home 7 p.m. Mountain time, 9 p.m. Eastern start flames and Blackhawks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please find us on iTunes, Google podcast or Spotify. Just search up matchsticks and gasoline, and then you will find the tinderbox and behind enemy lines under that heading. You can find us on the web at www.matchsticksandandgasoline.com and on Twitter and Instagram at matchstickscgy. Michael, thank you so much for coming on and thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.